Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Sultan, Tony Dosen. Yes, welcome to Splinters on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM and on the web www.triplehfm.com.au and podcast at podcasts.com, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you pick up your podcast. You know, in recent weeks, we've had a bit of fun, WrestleMania this and ice hockey that and uh, covering off things off the beaten track, but there are times we need to talk seriously about issues much closer to home, affecting what is happening right now in our local backyard, particularly with what is supposed to be the greatest game of all, Rugby League. As we sit here tonight in 2019, for the first time ever since the game was played in these parts, there is no senior A-grade team outside of the Ron Massey Cup and Sydney Shield teams that Asquith put on the park every week. Nothing. No one. Absolutely zero. And what makes it even worse is that for the first time in over 75 years, this year there is no Manly North's standalone Manly or standalone North's A-grade competition. No flagship competition for the game in this district. And whilst it's important to have the juniors, the juniors need a flagship. And without a flagship, you're pretty much rudderless as far as I'm concerned. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be speaking with a number of local people. And then we'll finish it off by speaking with Terry Liberopoulos, our friend from Rugby League Review, because this is not a problem just exclusive to North Sydney or Manly. It's a Sydney-wide problem, but we're going to stick close to home tonight. And for part one of what we call, dare I say it, the death of the A-grade, for now at least, we can't look much further past someone who has been a great supporter of ours, as we have been of them for a heck of a lot of years, going all the way back to when Triple H started in 2001. One of our great local events was without doubt a a Sunday afternoon in September in 2008 when the Barara Wallabies became the first ever North Sydney team to win a combined Manly North's A-grade competition. Yes, Asquith can claim a title. They did win in 1966, but that was when they broke away from the North's competition and went outright into the Manly competition in their own right. Barara did it in 2008. It was one of our great moments to call that grand final way back then. But Barara, like everyone else in these parts, don't have an A-grade team this year. The someone who has been with us for a heck of a long time is probably best known as Mr Barara. He's been a a former president, what, secretary, uh, treasurer, volunteer committee man. He's also worked as a a head of the initial Manly North's joint committee to try and foster the game in these parts. We speak of Andy Patterson, and I have him in my midst right now. Andy, welcome to Splinters. I just wish we could be speaking under much better circumstances. Good evening, Tony, and good evening, listeners. Yes, I, I too wish it uh, was in better circumstances, but still we can we can try and work out our best way forward from here and see how things pan out. Okay, let's go back to Tin Tax and ask the basic question in your opinion, and we're going to ask this basically of everyone we speak to in coming weeks, Steve Woodley, the other side of the peninsula, and then Terry Liberopoulos. Where did it all go wrong? Where did the decay start? There are a lot of people who still believe that the shotgun marriage of Manly and North's, the Northern Eagles concept, which was put into place 20 years ago this October, was the start of the decay. I think uh, that's that's got some things to do with it, but there's a lot of other avenues as well that uh, we, we saw problems with right back then. Uh, North Sydney is a district club. They tried to move to the Central Coast. That didn't help our junior league base here uh, at North Sydney. Um, when North Sydney were kicked out of the NRL. Obviously we became then the only junior league in the Sydney metropolitan area that didn't have first grade players to call on through our district club. Um, so we've we've had our own struggles as a junior league. Um, we've got right down to just having six clubs. We're now back to eight uh, through a lot of hard work by uh, the Karingai Cubs and the Lane Cove Tigers. Uh, two, two clubs that have kicked off in the last four, five, six years and 
and are now really coming good, uh, putting a lot of teams on the field and being competitive across those teams. So things at North Sydney are looking up, but uh, there's a lot of things that we need to do to try and help that along the way and, and part of the issue now is the Sunday football is almost dead there's very few it's teams it's not almost it is dead it, 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 it is dead let's be let's not pull any punches here well there, there's still a few teams playing Sunday football in the North Sydney area but not many you really count them on one hand couldn't you can you? count them on one hand exactly so that's really where the biggest issue is at the moment getting those teenagers to play from the ages of sort of 15 up through to 20 and then rolling into the age That has been a problem for the last 20 years across Sydney, though. What about the unique situation here? If I had a dollar, anecdotally, for every lay person that I've run into in these parts that have told me straight out to my face, I walked away from rugby league when the North Sydney Bears were thrown out, I dead set wouldn't have to work. Um, So I have the belief that that was the start of the problems. But uh, moving from that, uh, you've got the in and out nature of the junior league there's the ad hoc a-grade competitions between the North Sydney and Manly districts in the wake of that uh, uh, merger, which was a spectacular failure uh, as um, News Limited pushed the NRL to a 14-team model that didn't quite work. And then you've got the uh, eventual Manly North's A-grade competition, as we know it, that started in the mid-2000s that you were a great part of and as a member of that very first Manly North's joint committee. Yes, that's true. And for a number of years there, probably the first six or eight years that was a really strong competition it worked well across the board and you know it was really very good very well run Uh, all the teams knew exactly what the draw was they worked on home and away Uh, and as far as I was aware most teams were pretty happy with the result the the problem then came down to money money Uh, some teams were offering more money than others and players were chopping and changing and that didn't help. Some clubs were offering nothing, yeah. playing on a purely amateur basis against clubs that were paying players up to $1,000 a game. Yeah, and for A-grade football, that's unsustainable. And I think that model, you know, was fraught with danger and it proved unsustainable. And we've seen that in recent years as the competition has dwindled down to just a handful of teams. What about the spectacular nature of the uh, falling away of the number of teams in 2012? only seven years ago. We still had 22 teams across three divisions in the Manly North's A-grade competition. I call it the last year of the Manly North's A-grade as we know it. The best players were available and the best players played in that competition. You only have to have a look at what happened following that to see how strong that competition was. Uh, But now it's gone from 22 to five teams out of Manly who are playing in a combined inner-city competition alongside teams from Parramatta, Canterbury Bankstown and western suburbs across the southwestern area of Sydney, uh, which is nothing short of tragic. Yeah, well, three of the teams are playing in the goal competition, and two of which the is teams, supposed to be the top competition, which is the top competition, uh, and two of the teams are playing in the silver competition. Um, and th- these these competitions, um, we've been in a few in the under twenties, and they give you a reasonable standard of football to a, the same level of teams. So teams aren't going out against teams that are way better than them or way worse than them. Uh, so the idea is not too bad, but the thing that is happening now is you're getting away from that um, home and away where supporters would travel with you. You're now playing in venues you know, closer to Liverpool, um, out at East Hills, Moorbank, you know, um, Seven- Greenacre, Greenacre Lindalo, uh, Lugano, uh, some venues that we never thought we'd be playing in, and we've had to take buses out there to make sure the teams all arrived and didn't get lost on the way. Um, there's quite a few issues we, we play there and there's very few spectators whereas when we were in the Manly Norse competition some some Sundays we would have as many or even more supporters than the home team Rick Dunlop always waxes lyrical about the grubber Jordison matches between Asquith and Barrow that got thousands of people to Warina Street and to a lesser extent to Story Park they of course have naturally now gone what about you mentioned the quality of administration 
situation. Let's not pull any punches here. There are some people who want to point the finger at people like Eric Galloway or Peter O'Dwyer or even Mick Covey as administrators that fell asleep at the wheel, that dropped the ball, that... Uh, allowed this decay to happen. What's your take on that? Well, I was there before Eric Galloway took over. I was there when Eric took over. I was there when Mick Covey took over the running. Uh, no, I, I disagree with that. I, I was the only delegate there from North Sydney to any of those meetings, and I went to every single, or well, not every single, but most, the majority of the meetings every single year. So I know for a fact how the Manly competitions were run and the delegates that they put into the um, the rooms there. So, no, I, I disagree with that. I think um, part of it was to do with the clubs themselves imploding and trying to pay out too much money and getting themselves into financial trouble. Um, other clubs would try and buy players from other clubs and there was a lot of infighting between those clubs. Well, that happened there. at your club. That happened at this club. Yeah. It happened at Barara yeah. where in such spectacular fashion after winning that 2008 grand final, Barara didn't have an A-grade team at all, just three years, four, well, three to four years, five years later, they were back in the A2 second division, and then this in and out pattern of not having a team one year and having a team the next commenced. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, we have struggled. Uh, we've struggled with teams. We've had good uh, under 19s teams coming through, and we've won the combined competition in 2005, 2008, 2009. We were runners up. You won an A2s competition? In 2011. You won the reserve grade in 09 on, yep. on the back of yep. that eighth uh, grade the, in 08. We won the um, under 19s again in 2014 with a all local side, Barara side. Um, under Ross Hoy. Yeah, under Ross. Who's now moved on. Yeah, who's now coaching at North, training at North Sydney. Um, so yeah, but a lot of those quality players, a few of them went up to North Sydney, but most of them got bought and taken to Asquith. And we were always pleased to see them go and play at a higher level because they were quality players or are still some of them still playing they are still quality players but uh, it, we, they were irreplaceable for us like um, we produced them we nurtured them we took them all along the way and then when they were just ready to start paying back the club, they were bought and taken away. What about the relationship? It's been checkered, to say the least, between Asquith and Barara for a lot of years now. Um, it was very close to actually having a feeder arrangement in 2017, I understand. That was a year that Barara didn't get an A-grade side up, and so that feeder arrangement died a pretty sudden death. Uh, is Will we ever get to the stage where we have clubs feeding into the Asquith system? Because like them or hate them, Asquith have a system in place right now that is the only rugby league in this part of the world this year. Yeah, well, the issue with Asquith is they look to North Sydney and get looked on, looked after by North Sydney. Uh, they wouldn't tell you that. That's well, only happened this year. Well, it's obvious because uh, that's where quite a few of their players come from, some of their coaching staff. Uh, and, and obviously North Sydney, who have, when they do have excess players, are looking at the highest standard for those players to play in that they can play. So they're, they're getting good quality football and learning skills that can and come back and help North Sydney when they're... And possibly even there. the Roosters in the NRL, which is Possib the feeder club now. Possibly even that. Um, Barara doesn't have those pathways and probably never will because we'll, you know, without a league club, we'll never be able to afford to run a team like a Ron Massey team. Um, Sydney Shield, yeah, possibly, but we'd have to uh, put a lot of hard work into those teenage years and good, get good feeder systems coming through before we even looked at that. But, you know, the issue between Asquith and Barara is uh, when you play the majority of football against one another it is very hard to then pick a point where you say right we'll now become your feeder club it, it doesn't sit well at Barara um, we could tell you know we could sit here for the whole night for 10 times the amount of time we've got tonight and talk about things that were done that weren't done the right way by Barara um, but if we're going to look to the future then we've got well, to get the past most that well that's the most important thing now how important is it to look past that because um, of the dire state of the game in these parts. Well, we do, and we have tried, and we had a committee there this year that was looking at this uh, combined Grizzly side. But again, there's, you have to appreciate there's two sides of looking at it, and one side has got a lot of money behind them and a lot of power from the top, and the other side have got a lot of juniors and a lot of supporters behind them and a lot of tradition. And you, Asquith would say they have tradition too. They've oh, been yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's true. Too. I'm not saying 
they don't. I'm saying that Barrera does. And you need to encourage that. You can't just go in and crush it. And unless you're looking from both sides of the fence, it's very hard to get the right balance. And, I mean, you can see that at NRL level. It's very hard to get the right balance. So, you know, it must be a lot harder for us at the lower level. So, yeah. But, the but, you've, also, but you've also got your own backyard to look after because you were um, – it's well documented what happened at, at the Barara Club in that period between 2010 and 2014 where it almost never got to the 50th anniversary in uh, 2017. But nonetheless, um, Barara got to a grand final, the last for the moment Manly North's A-grade grand final last year before going down uh, to Narrabeen. All right, what about some of the other things that have gone on? The changing demographic of these parts where there are more and more flats and blocks of flats and skyscrapers going up in the greater Hornsby area with the development that's going on there, which has brought in, you know, um, certain uh, groups that have never had an association with rugby league and are not interested in the game. What about the... Uh, strength of rugby union in these parts. This is probably the only area of Sydney altogether that has any rugby union strength at all. And then you've got the dollars that have been poured in by the AFL at school level. And then you've got association football. You've got soccer that uh, has always had numbers in these parts and has always been strong. Has it been a perfect storm that has conspired to send rugby league almost into the minor sport category in these parts? No, I don't think so. I, I think if you look at um, the way uh, soccer has been in the past or football as they're trying to change their brand to now, uh, they're still very similar to what they did 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago. They still have you know heaps of players, heaps of juniors, but they too start losing their team numbers in that sort of 14, 15 age group and going through. They, they have a lot of senior players that are played you know, after 30, like 35 comp, 40 comp, 45 comp um, that rugby league sort of doesn't have and can't have being a more collision type sport. Rugby union, yes we've got Hornsby and we've got Beecroft and you know to a lesser extent you've got Eastwood and Chatswood and uh, Gordon and so forth but we've always had those and they struggled along and they haven't really changed in the last 10, 15, 20 Although years. Although Hornsby has made the move to the Central Coast to try and break out and uh, change the pattern and get the game moving again in these parts. Yes, yes, they've had a few issues with uh, the Sydney competition and tried their hand at the Central Coast, but the biggest biggest change in the last 20, 25 years in the area has been AFL. They started with one club at Pennant Hills and I remember when it started um, they were they were virtually nothing and they've built up now to a level where they're probably almost equal to Asquith um, in, in a the Pettit Hills Demons are a strong club very strong and club. Uh, they've played in the Sydney AFL Grand Finals against the, the arch rivals the North Shore Bombers from down the Pacific Highway and um, with the help they've been given by the AFL with the pouring of money into the schools and the Auskick programs they're winning the battle at the ground there's no doubt about that so what does rugby league do uh because by comparison the clubs here locally will tell you even asquith will tell you they get very little help from the nrl and as a result down the line not much help from the new south wales rugby league yes well i can tell you for a fact i look after the grounds down at waruna street four and five days a week and you go down there and the schools come down and they play afl they they play as a school sport afl they'll play football they'll play netball for the girls and some of the boys as well but there's no rugby union no rugby league it's afl and that is probably the biggest death knell that we've had 20 years ago that didn't happen it's happening now. The NRL know about it, but just choose to ignore it. And without their support and help, it is very hard to get into some of these schools. They just don't really want to know about rugby league. We approach them. We have parents approach them. We try to go through their PNCs, but they just resist, resist, resist. And Why do you think that's the case? Is it because of the negative publicity that News Limited throw out there uh, about all the off-field dramas that the game has from summer to summer? Is it uh, an image thing? Is it, dare I say it, uh, 
uh, a more user-friendly, uh, more uh, less body contact outlook on sport by sportsmasters who are generally the last people to put their hand up in a lot of these schools and for fear of getting into another debate altogether are predominantly women. Yep, all of those things. All of those things have to a varying extent and a varying amount to each and every school. So it's far easier for the sports master or a couple of the teachers to go down to the local oval and put a couple of um, poles up and say, right, we're playing AFL today and let the boys just go out there and kick the ball around. To actually referee a game of rugby league or rugby union is much harder and much more uh, involved for the uh, re- for the teachers and therefore they take the easy option and the kids are happy to do it and the AFL will support them down to the ground. The AFL you know, will supply them with gear, they I'll supply them with jumpers. If they want to enter teams into, you know, a schools competition, they'll back them 100%. They'll send trainers and coaches out to help them, as they do with their junior clubs. You know, the, the Hornsby Barrow Eagles at um, Rove Park and that. They, time and time again, they'll tell me that, oh, yes, we've had, uh, you know, the AFL come out and give us a hand and we have coaches come out and help our coaches. We have coaches come out and train our teams and, help showing the coaches the way and I'm thinking where is this with the NRL who gets this with the NRL is, is it a case of the NRL feathering their own nests with the billion dollar TV rights they've got and putting more layers of bureaucracy inside the walls of Rugby League Central definitely not only Rugby League Central but even out here like these combined competitions and these northern competitions uh, southern eastern all these different divisional competitions that they're now running are all run by a person appointed from the NRL whose salary is paid for by the NRL and they make all the decisions they do all the draws and we as club members, club supporters club life members, club workers, club volunteers, we get no say so 20 years ago I'd go down to North Sydney as a delegate or 20 years ago, 15 years ago down to Manly and you could get up there and you could say your piece and you could talk about the way the competition was going to be structured the next year and the grounds you're going to use and what times you're going to play and everything. All of that's now gone. There is no avenue to discuss what's happening. We just get issued, here's your draw, and that's it. All right, then. Before we take our break and come back to talk about Barara in more detail, where the, the last six or seven years have gone and the future, take me through how heartbreaking it is to work on Warina Street Oval right now. The club, local council, have poured a lot of money into that new amenities block, Grand stand viewing balcony uh, and now a new electronic scoreboard with lights not far away and it's a white elephant with the lights on literally and no one at home without an A grade. How heartbreaking is that? Well it is heartbreaking but there is there is a plan in place and that plan's been in place for three years now that when we pulled together the under 19 side in 2017 they were made up of 17, 18 and 19 year olds not very many 19 year olds the main body of the side, the main numbers of the side were 17s and 18-year-olds. And we said, well, look, give us a couple of years here and then come through and we'll, you'll be the main focus of our A grade and we'll look after you and support you and whatever. Then last year out of the blue, after we had appointed our coaches and managers for the teams, the NRL just decided to change the competition and make it 20s. So we we're back in the same boat. We were a very young side with, with kids that were only 18, 19 and a few 20s. Um, playing in this under-20s competition. And the idea was they were going to come through to the A grade this year. Well, now they're having another year in the under-20s and they'll come through to the A grade next year and you'll find that nearly half that squad will be playing A grade next year with a number of our A graders from our Premiership, uh, no premiership our grand, grand final, final side from last year getting carried away. Um, and we'll have a very strong team and hopefully be able to look after and carry that team through for a number of years and be able to add to it from some of the other junior sides that are coming up with our 14s, 16s, 20s and so forth. Before we take the break, you mentioned uh, the Kiringai Cubs and Lane Cove, but there are other clubs that 
now no longer exist and have fallen by the wayside that are as dead as the dodo, McMahon's Point, Hornsby, uh, Strata, Strata, West Hotel, uh, Willoughby, uh, and Pennant Hills. Narrenburn. Yes. Well, Pennant Hills is still there, but Pennant Hills, the oldest team they've got this year is under 12s. And Pennant Hills was the strongest club. They'd win, you know, out of 14 premierships, they'd win half at least every year, year after year after year. You know, they had their celebration for their 100th premiership in the mid-90s. You know, yeah. Brower is still only, you know, in, in the high 50s or maybe about 60. Yep. So, yes, that's, uh, that's a very so, sad story. So opinion. where does the rest of these clubs go? I know mean, we'll cover that after the break, but uh, is there any sign of any green shoots out there in the desert apart from what you're trying to do here and what Asquith are trying to do there? Yeah, I think so. Um, we, we started a program at Barara called uh, Cubs, which were for under threes to under fives because uh, it was very apparent that a lot of the kids in that age group that we were trying to get for under sixes had already started one or two years of soccer and it was hard to get them away because they were with their mates and they wanted to be with their mates and whatever. So we said, well, right, we've got to do something. So we went to Moving Bodies and we put together a program which we now call our, our Joeys and it's been very successful and we've had such great success with it that North Sydney have now copied it and are now using it as their... Um, template? Their template to re- to copy for all the other junior clubs and try to recruit these kids from three to five in a program of just fun and learning. Sounds like a lot of fun. We'll touch on that and a lot more, particularly the future. You've touched on that, but more detail about the future right after this when we come back with more on splinters. It's time to hit the ice. You're all about caring Sydney Bears are back for the 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season with all the speed, hits and goals that ice hockey is famous for. Buy a season ticket package to ensure you're not left out in the cold as your Bears rip and tear with the aim of going one better on last year to claim the 2019 Goodall Cup. Log on to bearsden.com.au for all your season ticket and merchandise options. And for the latest Bears news and updates, tune in to The Bench every Friday from 6pm. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM and on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and you can follow us on our podcast at podcasts.com, Spotify, iTunes and wherever you pick up your podcasts. My name is Tony Dawson. Andy Patterson, probably best known in local league circles as Mr. Barrara, is with me. And we're going through, in as much chapter and verse as the limited time we have at our disposal allows, what is happening and why in the local North Sydney district in particular, there is no A grade, there are lack of numbers across the board, and we have a situation where we have no standalone Manly North's A grade this year for the first time in 75 years. You mentioned to me off air, Andy, about the off-field incidents, and even some of the on-field ones involving John Hopawati, which have been well documented over the last seven or eight years. How hard has it been to sell rugby league when you've got all that going on at the front line. Yes, it's been very hard. We've um, always tried to recruit new players into the club, especially in the younger ages. And when we're mixing with the parents of those kids and talking to them about why you know it's good to play competition, why it's good to play something structured, where rugby league, there'll be other people talking behind you and saying, "Oh, I won't let my kid play that. You know, that's a terrible game. Look what it's in the papers and everything." And it does have an effect on on the parents and what sport they'll let their children play. So you've heard those words or similar words in, not not conversations directly to you, but to the side that you cock the ear and you pick up when you're trying to talk to other people face-to-face about the game. Absolutely, absolutely. Time and time again it's happened and not all that often, but, you know, over the years, yes, that's happened quite a few times. All right. How, how do you combat that? You must be tempted at times to turn around and face these people and, um, you know, answer them, but you then have to bite your tongue, don't you? Yeah. The the last thing you want to do is get into a, a, an argument with anybody. You need to keep everything positive when you're trying to sell your product, when you're trying to get parents to and convince them that rugby league is a good sport for their kids to play, that they'll get a lot of 
enjoyment out of it. Um, the club will look after them, and there's a lot of benefits to playing rugby league. You really don't want to be arguing with somebody else in the background or on the side or whatever. You just got to keep it all positive and hope for the best outcome. Speaking of the best outcome, um, do you think that this year without an A grade has been the best possible outcome for the Barrera Wallabies? No, I don't. I think uh, the best possible outcome would have been to have another strong A grade side because I think I believe that uh, we would have had a standalone Norse Manly competition had we had an A grade side this year. On that point, there are a few people that point the finger out there at Barrera saying that because they couldn't get an A grade side up, the whole thing collapsed. What do you say to that? Well, we tried. I mean, it wasn't uh, for the lack of trying, but the few things that were put in place didn't um, come to fruition. And we're now on the fallback position that we will, we're supporting our under-20s and quite a few of those players will come through next year and form the basis of our A-grade side. We'll recruit some of those players back from our 2018 grand final side and we'll be, we'll have a good side on the field and we'll be competitive and we'll look after them. At the same time, we'll make sure we recruit a few extra players for the under 20 so that we keep that side in place as well and we get this Sunday afternoon football back at Warina Street which is a big thing for the club, um, not only for the revenue, but just for the overall uh, appearance of the club, that we're out there, that we're seen, that we've got supporters at the ground. Um, Sunday we had a standalone game and we had close to 200 people there. We had over 150 people getting close to 200 just for one standalone game on a Sunday. If you put two or three together, that will obviously multiply, etc., etc., etc. How frustrating then has it been to have the A-grade situation you've had with a side one year, then no side the next, then a side the following year, then no side the next. The last five years has followed that pattern. This year has continued on that pattern. So the law of averages states that next year you'll have a team again. How do you stop the in out scenario to get a regular A-grade team on the field for two, three, four, five, six years in a row? Well, I think the, the main thing you have to do is keep feeding that A-grade side. Having those lower sides in the 16s, 17s, 18s, uh, 20s coming through each year so that players, when they get to a certain age, they can retire and not be arm-twisted into coming back for one more season to make up the numbers. We need to keep filling the squad with good players coming through, and I think that's really where we're at at the moment. As I said before, we've got 14s, we've got 16s, we've got 20s and the 20s are quite an age spread in that team. So yeah, we just need to look after these players the best we can and we'll have an A-grade side there for years to come. You mentioned the feeder age groups of 15s, 16s, 17s, 19s, 20s. Things have changed in the last 20 years. There are far a lot more electronic alternatives for young people today than there were 20 years ago. Yes, mobile phones, uh, the brick variety, the uh, good old dial-up internet ADSL, you know... All of that was in vogue 20 years ago, but now the electronic devices have exploded and there are far more options for kids of that age to stay at home, sit on the iPad, sit on the laptop, sit on the PC and go nuts. How hard is it to get them out in the sunshine playing any sort of physical sport? It's a, it's an ongoing battle. It's a hard battle. Are you winning? No, I don't think we are winning. I think we're just clawing our way along. Um, what we do need is a lot more support from the top. As I said before, um, being the only district that doesn't have an NRL side, we, we don't have those players going to shopping centres, going into schools, coming to our games that we can use to help give us a bigger profile to sell the game to put their photo in with our juniors and so forth that makes it more difficult on us but even putting that aside, just across the board, um, all the districts are finding it hard with those age groups and it's a battle that we can't fight alone. Um, we can fight and just keep our head above water but we really do need more assistance from the top level. How does that assistance come? Is it just a matter of Todd Greenberg and Peter Beattie making an appearance once a year or is it countering the AFL in the schools with coaches and players uh, to counter 
the AFL coaches and players that are going out and seeing schools now. Absolutely. That's the biggest difference in the last 20, 25 years has been the rise and rise of AFL. And the only reason, well, not the only reason, but a lot of the reason that that's been is because the ARL are there all the time. They're selling their product all the time. You mean the AFL? You you wish it was the ARL commission? (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Freudian slip there. They're selling it at the schools. They're selling it at the shopping centres. They're selling it everywhere they possibly can. They're selling it to their junior leagues clubs. They're getting behind them and helping them. Where is this same support level from the NRL? It's non-existent. It's not there. Is it because that the NRL are comfortable with going down the path of getting their talent pool from primarily um, a certain uh, socio-economic background from a certain part of Sydney and then forgetting the rest and not worrying about country uh, regions, which we haven't even touched on here, and the rest of Metropolitan Sydney and Brisbane? Well, I mean, it's hard for me to comment on that because that's really outside my area of expertise. But from an outsider looking in, yes, I'd have to say that uh, there's part of that to blame. Um, it seems that, yes, that could be could be a fair uh, uh, scenario of what's happening, what's taking place. Um, I don't think that's uh, augurs well for the long-term viability of the competition and the premier place in which that competition should be. Um, and like, the code as such as a result? And the code as such. I mean they really need to watch their base. If they don't win the hearts and minds of those young kids who come up to be adults and young parents then that will be another lost generation. They need to be We've had one already for, for the last 20 years since the uh, North Sydney Manly shotgun wedding. Yes, exactly. I mean a lot of people turned away from rugby league on the North Shore when that happened and I don't believe any of them have really ever come back. Alright what about on a more local perspective? You were telling me off air that you're still putting in the hard yards and digging trenches today down at Warina Street to uh, construct a new electronic scoreboard with an electronic timekeeping uh, uh, device that is in line with most other clubs at Sydney Shield and Ron Massey Cup level. Uh, how is that coming along? What about the success or otherwise of the new uh, amenities and grandstand viewing balcony which have been up now for two or three years and the long-awaited floodlights? Where are we at with all this? Well, well, the floodlights are now in position. They they've, uh, were up and running last year and North Sydney actually played representative games at Waruna Street Oval between North Sydney and Manly and had a really wonderful night. There was a big crowd down there, beautiful balmy night, great football. North Sydney won most of the games down there and we had a ball. Everybody um, commented on how great the facilities were, how good the ground was and the ground's even better this year. The scoreboard... As it should be because it's not getting used a lot. <laughs> Well, it's getting a lot of water in the summer as well and the uh, pitch is getting well looked after. But the, the scoreboard is coming along. We're pouring the concrete on Wednesday and next week we... That's Wednesday, the 1st of May. 1st of May. For those of you that are picking up the podcast after the date. Yes. And uh, the following week is when we're having the steel structure delivered and then the TV screen fitted and then it'll be craned into position. Um, so that'll be up and running, we hope, for our next Sunday home game. Which is in the next few weeks. How hard? is it then to use resources that are scarce to fund all of this? Well, you've got to remember that we get a lot of bang for our buck. So we get, you know, a small amount of money and we make it stretch a long, long way, a lot further than private enterprise could do, a lot further than what council could do. Uh, So these facilities will be well used. I mean, the facilities down there at the moment, they get used for carols by candlelight um, with the combined churches. We get the uh, movies under the stars. When we had the hail damage, Barara, Waruna Street Oval was used by all the emergency services there, twenty four seven. It gets it gets a lot of use. And this scoreboard is a information score information scoreboard, so that we able to have information on it for uh, the schools when they use it for their carnivals and so forth. So it's not just about rugby league; it's about the community, and that's what the facilities are down there to cater for. We have. 
have uh, you know mothers using the facilities down there with their mothers groups we have exercise groups there we have uh, musical groups there we have uh, gardening groups there for average age over 85 so, <laughs> or over 80 Jeez. so yes it gets a good use and uh, a varied amount but uh, uh, the rugby league is the, the predominant um, force behind all of that and without the rugby league none of that would have happened and none of it is going to happen. Alright what about the future then? Um, firstly let's look at Barara. You are very confident you will get an A grade team in 2020. Absolutely. Without doubt. Without question. Alright can you reveal possible coaching appointments or are they still under advisement and under negotiation? Uh, no we can't disclose that at this stage. That'll be That decision will be finalised at the end of the season but uh, uh, the deal has is pretty close to being done um, so yes that, that'll all work in seamlessly with our under 20 side this year Alright what about the rest of you touched on the fact that your program has been copied by the North Sydney Junior League and been distributed to the rest of the clubs what about the rest of those clubs not only on this side of the escarpment but the other side of the escarpment we'll touch pretty much on the other side of the escarpment with Steve Woodley in our next instalment of this death of the A grade series uh, because he has a lot of things to say about certain individuals and families down there but from your outside view where do you see the other clubs on both sides of the escarpment travelling because whilst you can um, restore things at Barara you need a few other clubs to play against in these parts don't you? Well yes but now we've got eight clubs playing at North Sydney and those clubs are reasonably strong in the Saturday League and this is where the Joey's program our three to five year olds program that we brought in in 2017 is really helping us along. So we've got strong numbers in, in our junior sides. Um, other clubs in the North Sydney area have now got on board with this program. We've shown them how to run it and North Sydney have jumped in and helped uh, the junior league that is and they're helping to run these Joey's programs or junior bears competitions or whatever, junior bears um, with the other clubs. So they're all going well in Saturday football. It's the Sunday football that we need to start focusing on but if we're well with our numbers in the Saturday football, hopefully that'll flow on to the Sunday football over the next you, few years. You say hopefully, but you need to be a little bit more stronger than that because that's where the drop-off begins, and that has been consistently the case for those uh, last 20 years. All right, um, let's have a look then uh, at the future. There are those that have written the game off. There are those that almost gleefully turn around and say, you know what, rugby league is dead. It's a minor sport. It certainly is a minor sport in these parts right now. There's no doubt about that. The numbers don't lie. They tell you that there aren't as many participants in rugby league compared to other codes. And there are those who are very quick to write the death knell of the code, especially now there is no A-grade side outside of the Asquith, uh, Massey and Shield, and that there is no standalone Manly North's A-grade competition. Is rugby league a casket case no. in these parts? No, no, far from it. Um, we have our ups and downs, and We've had a lot more downs than we have had ups, but we, we're still capable of bouncing back. All the infrastructure and all the club structures are there. We just need that extra support at the higher level. We need to be able to sell our product, and we need to be able to get that product across to all the households without the negativity. So, unfortunately, unless the NRL clean up their act, it'll just make our job harder and harder. You say you need support. Let me play devil's advocate for a moment. What if you don't get the support? What if it's as you were? How do you claw things back? Well, like I said, by... Without that support. Let's assume you don't get... Well, if we... I'm sure the support that we've got at the moment, we still get support from the Junior League. We still get support from the District Club. I'm talking we from still, the NRL committee. Well, we still get, we still get a, a, a bit of support from the NRL. It's not, it's not completely not there, but there's just not much of it, not nearly enough. But we, we still... Uh, in there. We're still there fighting to keep our brand relevant. We're still fighting to keep our sport relevant. We, we have um, a good column. Has it become irrelevant? No, no, it hasn't. I mean, we, we have a column every week in the Bush Telegraph, which keeps the Wallabies brand out there. The, the one thing that I do find disappointing, having grown up in this area for the last 67 years, is the Advocate. The Advocate used to have strong sport
sporting values. And they used to have three, four, five pages of sport. They used to have an advocate sportsman of the year. There was a lot of things that the advocate did for sport. Don't even get me started now, on the Hornsby advocate, Now, please. well, this is what I'm saying. Like, where is that? <laughs> you know, well, I'll tell what... you where that is. I religiously contribute an Asquith article week in, week out. I can show you the emails. They put an article in last week that was three weeks old. It was three weeks old as well. It was from games that were played three weeks prior to the printing date of the paper. And that's indicative of what's gone on with the Hornsby Advocate and News Limited's treatment of community papers. The Manly Daily has now gone down that path as well with John Getty's been made redundant uh, there as well. The same journalist now is given some uh, rights across both the Manly Daily, the Hornsby Advocate, the Hillshire Times as part of this drive-down model. That's another debate for another day, but that is certainly disappointing. All right, what of the future? What uh, shape is the game going to be in, do you think, in 5, 10, 15, 20 years' time in these parts, if it is in any shape at all? Well, I still see it being similar to what it's been. North Sydney numbers have been reasonably consistent uh, across the, the juniors. Um, the the Saturday competitions are quite good, quite robust and good team numbers. We just have to keep keeping on with what we're doing without getting any further behind. Um, all clubs are doing a lot of promotional work. Uh, we try new things every now and again, like uh, we tried to have a development fund at the junior league level um, every every now and again we're trying something different to see what works and whatever works we try and expand upon that and if things don't work well we'll go on to something else but there's always a lot of good people out there putting a lot of time a lot of effort and a lot of heart into keeping rugby league going how important is it for those people to stay involved into the future because the what because the way back is through them, isn't it? Absolutely. And not only through them, but also through those juniors that keep coming through. And that's why you need to have your juniors uh, coming through because they turn into parents who then have their kids playing and then they get involved in the running of the club and it, it's that ongoing effect. And unless you've got teams, I, I'm fearful for Pennant Hills who have only got up to under-12s now. Where are they going to get their future club presidents and secretaries and coaches and everything like that if they don't have those 20s and A graders coming through and retiring and then getting back in and supporting the club. Because that's what your model is uh, going forward. Uh, where do you want to see Barara then in five to ten years time? Well we're still planning on having an A grade side. We're still planning on having you know our, our firmest desire is to have all teams across all age groups but I'd be happy if we could that's get... That's almost an impossible dream in these yeah, times isn't Exactly it? but you've got to dream big you've got to have those big dreams otherwise the little dreams don't come true but even to have three teams playing on a Sunday will give us um, our great support base back again we'll be able to have you know a great game experience on a Sunday afternoon at Warina Street and that's really what we're looking at for next year trying to get those three teams back together back at Waruna Street having that Sunday afternoon football and the club will just grow from that. What about yourself? You've been involved you've just mentioned um, however many years you've been involved in the game it's been a heck of a long time it's been a lifetime. How much more in the tank is there for Andy Patterson? Well I keep um, looking at how we can do things better and I keep looking at what the modern game experience uh, requires. So as soon as I finish with this um, scoreboard timekeeper information board, I'm uh, negotiating with the council at the moment to replace the shed that got knocked down and I want to incorporate a built-in barbecue there that's lockable that uh, instead of coming down on a Saturday or Sunday and having to set up the barbecue area and tables and a covered area and whatever, that'll all be there. It'll just be unlocked turned on and away we'll go um, I'm looking at getting um, the container removed and putting a proper uh, shed there with a roller shutter that's a bit bigger and has power and uh, lights there and we'll put um, water available so we can put an ice maker down there mm. I'm looking at um, when we can put an awning over the balcony so that experience on the balcony will be even better and I've had discussions with Nathan Tilbury about the possible 
positioning of an information board uh, on council property in Barara so that I don't have to go every week and change three signs from playing at home on Sunday to playing at home on Saturday and taking them down and putting them up and taking them down and putting them up. So that's what I got on board and that's what I'll be doing over the next couple of years. What about um, the rest of the committee, the rest of the people who put their hands up? Do they? Do you sometimes feel like you're on your own? Feel like you're on your own here? Do you sometimes feel like that you're? The lone wolf in the in the wilderness and without much support. No, no, no. I've got plenty of support. Um, we had an issue today. I made a phone call. Had a tradesman there in five minutes' time. You can't get any better than that. Um, How important is that, that you can do that? Because I don't know of any other club where that can happen at the drop of a hat. Yep, well, that's Barara. I mean, uh, be it plumber or electrician, you know, these blokes, um, Johnny Cunningham, Steve Roos, Ricky Watson, Dave Abel, you know, uh, Gary Goodhand, uh, Johnny Radicay. Our, our Wampa for the um, star pickets was starting to split, so I took it up to Johnny Radicay. Who's the father, I believe, of Michael Radicay, who played yep. for a lot of years for both Barara and Asquith as a wing and a centre. Yeah, John comes down and watches our games. Anytime I've got any uh, need, he made me up. We, we used to, well, we used to pull out uh, the ropes for the sideline and put them on um, uh, little stands. Now, we've got a proper stand that that rolls out of. Thanks to John, he knocked that up for me. All these things, I just see something in need and then there'll be somebody in the club or a supporter of the club or an ex-player of the club still living in the area that's willing to put up their hand and give a hand. So as long as the club has got that, we'll be right. Well, we will try and support, as you know, we have been supporters all the way back to that uh, 2008 Grand Final and um, even the 2018 Grand Final last year, the last Manly North's A-grade Grand Final uh, to date. Um, There may be other grand finals in these combined competitions that the Manly teams will qualify for this year because they've all started well. They're all pretty much uh, unbeaten against teams from outside the district. The only losses have been to teams inside the Manly district. So that has been an encouraging sign with the possibility that there will be grand finals at Brookvale this year involving uh, these other clubs. We look forward to the day when we can call the A grade at Warina Street again at some time in the future. And I will leave you with one question to finish this episode of Splinters from a local perspective. Do you hand on heart believe that we will see a standalone Manly North's A-grade competition again. I believe we will next year. We've got five sides playing this That's year. That's a bold call. That's a bold call, but we have five sides playing this year. Narrowina have dropped out. Next year, Barara will definitely be back, so there'll be six sides, hopefully maybe seven, and uh, you know, we'll start talking to Manly very shortly about the possibility of this happening for next year and putting the plans in place. So, yes, I think it'll happen as early as next year. Is that more a hope or a genuine belief? A genuine belief. I think the numbers are there. I think the teams will be there. I think the support is there. Uh, it just takes the right organisation at the right time. Don't leave it too late. So we'll talk about it this year for next year and I think we'll get it. All right. Um, I hope you are right. Um, but if you're not and there aren't enough teams or the push comes from upon high to play in these combined competitions, will Barara be prepared to travel and play in a combined A-grade competition in 2020 and beyond? Yes. Short, straight to the point. That's based on the experience with the under-20s now. Yep, under-20s and under-19s. It's not our preferred position, but it is a position where we're playing rugby league, where we get rugby league played at Warina Street, and if that's the way it has to be, then that's the way it'll be. But our preferred position will always be a combined Norse Manly competition. All right, then. We could talk for hours upon hours upon hours, but we have run out of time on this edition of Splinters. Next week, there'll be another edition, and in coming weeks, covering something else, and in coming weeks, I'll be speaking with Steve Woodley from the Manly District and Terry Liberopoulos to discuss the death of the A-grade. Andy Patterson, my deepest thanks to you. It's always great to catch up. Thanks, Tony, and thanks to all your listeners. All right, that's it for another edition of Splinters. Until we meet again, it's goodbye. Goodbye.